This is an RNZ podcast. One member of the Epidemic Response Committee last Wednesday, MP Michael Wood, also raised the prospect of not doing anything to intervene in the media market and letting what he called creative destruction take place to see what would emerge. And he put that to the founder of one of the newer digital age media outlets, Duncan Grieve, of the spin-off. You know, I'm, I'm wearing a few hats here, but as a business operator, creative destruction is not unattractive to me. You know, I, I really, I back my team and, but with, as, a, as a journalist and a participant in this industry, the idea horrifies me. Uh, you know, the spinoff can only exist as part of an ecosystem. We're 12 journalists, you know, we, we used to have 4,000 with probably down under 2,000 now as a country, despite our population having significantly risen. Now, Michael Wood MP wasn't the only one listening to Wednesday's hearing online, pondering the options of not shoring up the media as we now know them, but rejigging them somehow without the unreliable underpinning of income from ads. Hamish McKenzie cut his teeth in student journalism, Otago University student paper critic back in 2003, one year coincidentally after Patrick Crudson, who's the current chief editor of Stuff, New Zealand's biggest commercial publisher of news. After freelancing and writing for the now-defunct Listener magazine, among others, Hamish McKenzie went to the US and became an in-house writer at Tesla, the innovative company led by the maverick entrepreneur Elon Musk. Then he went on to co-found a subscription publishing startup called Substack, which helps writers make money from their readers. Substack's been described as an ad-free social media network, and it was backed by more than 15 million US dollars of Silicon Valley venture capital last year. Two weeks ago, award-winning journalist and author Matt Taibbi, famous for his work for Rolling Stone magazine, announced he would only be publishing his online writing through Substack from now on. Now, as the U.S. media were hit with COVID-19 chaos, Hamish McKenzie said that the old business model from media had exploded so spectacularly that the fire, smoke and debris were obscuring a once-in-a-century opportunity to rebuild it all over, make it better and more lucrative than it ever had been in the past, he said. That's pretty bold talk, and Hamish McKenzie also appealed for any New Zealand writers struck by layoffs or cutbacks to get in touch with him because Substack has an emergency grants program currently making payments to writers in COVID-19 distress. Last week, on his own platform, Hamish McKenzie published an article headed What Could the New Zealand Media Look Like If It Were Reinvented? in which he argued that they now need to be divorced entirely from the advertising business. Now, it's easy to write that, but much harder to actually do it without throwing much of the journalism baby out with the dirty economic bathwater. So, after Wednesday's Epidemic Response Committee hearings, Hayden Donnell summoned Hamish McKenzie via Skype in San Francisco to ask him how the journalism we have now could really be sustained with advertising no longer part of the picture at all. Well, it already wasn't going to survive, and COVID-19 has pushed it over the cliff and I think if you see some of the comments from the select committee the other day from media executives, they are saying uh, that the ad revenue is already over the cliff. It, everyone knew this was coming at some point. It's just got here a little bit sooner than everyone thought. It's not because of the pandemic. It's because more efficient and more effective advertising machines were developed in the last decade, or actually in the last two decades. Right. So you're talking about Facebook and Google primarily there, and also sites like TradeMe. Yeah, I'm thinking mostly of Facebook and Google. If Facebook and Google are now in this dominant position and that the, 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 the commercial media as we know it can't survive, what are you thinking will rise up in its place? A, a new kind of commercial media can 
not only survive but actually thrive to get there the world just has to realize that advertising is not going to be part of that future i personally believe that subscriptions are a really big part of it and finding the right mix between uh, the technology and the payments and uh, the structure of the business that's producing the media and then the media itself is going to be uh, crucial in the new world. You do have a heavy bias because this is what you're doing, right? Uh, you're, you're pretty much delivering exactly that with Substack. Substack at its most simple just makes it simple for any writer to start a paid subscription newsletter. It's an email newsletter, but it also has a web component. So it's more like a web email hybrid. Everything you publish gets published to your personal Substack website and emailed out to anyone who's signed up to your mailing list. And you can easily accept payments from those people who choose to pay at whatever price you set. And then for most people, uh, the path to success is not actually just putting all of your stories behind a paywall. In fact, you make, the, the most successful models in Substack is if you make most of your stories, your best stories especially, free, and then you hope that, say, 10% of your overall audience will be willing to pay to get full access or a deeper sense of connection with you, this writer or a publisher who they love or trust. So you're basically saying a, a freemium model. You know, these, these are things that the news media has tried and the Herald is sort of doing now. It's a variation of the freemium model. And yes, I think it works better in Substack. And part of it is that the writer is in control and has total flexibility about where the paywall goes down on a story-by-story -story basis. So you can strategically use free content to go and reach a wide audience and then not expect that the entire audience is going to pay, but get some portion of that audience who believe in the work you're doing so much that they want to support it. That the new world can be built by niche publications that can flourish within their specific areas of expertise or passions and then later on they can be repackaged into alliances and bundles that kind of make sense uh, in a way that could potentially save people money instead of subscribing to 14 different uh, niche publications. The, the concern here is that what you mentioned it's a boutique operation a lot of these people that are joining up to it you know they are just small uh, specialist operators, can a mainstream news service like Stuff survive on this kind of platform? How can that actually work? Definitely don't think you could just take what it is as it is and translate it and put it onto the Substack platform. You have to rebuild for this next generation of media, not try and carry over the, the parts of the media that were, were invented in a, in a different time. But I do think that large-scale publications or publishing groups, rather, can emerge uh, we've got this publication called The Dispatch, for example, which was started by some prominent political journalists in the US, uh, and they raised $6 million to get started. They have a newsroom now of uh, 12 people, and they, after uh, a month after hitting, uh, sorry, a month after instituting their paywall, uh, they already surpassed a million dollars in revenue. But there's still going to be a demand, right, for these kind of generalist news services like stuff. People are just going to, are still going to want to go to one place, right, and find all their news. Is is that just not going to be possible? Like, can that still be funded in, in the new world that you're envisaging? If you think of what stuff is today, it's, um, a, it's a website. You go to stuff.co.nz, and there's a bunch of different content on there. But that content is sourced from many different verticals. 
and it's the many different verticals that constitute this greater galaxy that is the stuff empire and i'm mangling my metaphors here but there's stuff farming and there's stuff then there's the manawatsu standards and then there's uh rugby heaven and a bunch of other things and aggregation of these little pieces that make stuff the whole and make it this apparently generalized website and so there is a way to reinvent that in a, in a model where the niche publications are the things that people pay and subscribe to and perhaps by dint of subscribing to those ones they get access to other ones so there's a model in the us that's playing this exact um, playbook it's called the athletic and you subscribe to your local sports coverage because of that you get access to everything that's published within the athletics sports network the sports media network which means that even if you just signed up to follow the chicago bulls you also get access to their coverage of college football ice hockey in toronto etc right because i guess that's the daunting thing is as just as a news media consumer right you don't want to have 40 different subscriptions running for all of your interests for me it just it just indicates that there's a, a huge opportunity to come up with the solution for that Bundling is a pretty common thing. Cable TV, uh, numerous other things throughout business history have, have, have done bundling to get around problems like this. You watched that select committee on Wednesday. And so now there's a crisis. Now there's no choice but to reinvent because the alternative is to die. And so there's a period to get through here um, for some of these existing news organisations and if they can get through that period, then they can set themselves up to take some big shots, radically reinvent themselves and start walking towards a better future. Organisations, is enemy stuff, MediaWorks, they employ dozens, hundreds of journalists, the country's best journalists, many of them. They're at risk, right? So there's this really depressing side to this as well. There's this risk to it. Are you cognizant of that, and, and, and does that do, are you affected by that when, when you're making these propositions? Massively. My, my, some of my very best friends are like caught up in this. I used to be a journalist myself. I've experienced some, of this, some versions of this pain in other organizations I've worked for. But if we continue on and just sort of hope that the government is going to bail things out, then people are going to continue losing jobs, and things are going to disappear, and the industry is going to consolidate, and it's going to be shittier than ever two years from now you know i can i can picture people from the herald or say say the herald uh surviving on that i can picture sort of columnists like simon wilson you know maybe kirsty johnston but there are people that maybe would i feel like maybe they'd struggle on this model you know and they're great journalists maybe a jared savage or you know matt shand of stuff you know these are not high profile journalists necessarily but they do good work are those people at a disadvantage in the subscription model where having this big profile is actually important? I don't think the um, specific Substack model is going to be the only model, and it would be hubristic of us to claim that. Um, there are going to have to be other models to support journalism, and some of them will be philanthropic, and some of them will be billionaires owning magazines, and some of them will be publicly funded institutions like the BBC or Radio New Zealand. But even for people the likes of Jared Savage and uh, serious long-form investigative feature writers, I think there is a, a way for them to exist in a publishing enterprise that is based on something like the Substack model. And we see it actually existing already in the United States with the Dispatch, which is this U.S. politics I was talking about before. They're not all just uh, high-profile opinionators and uh, uh, 
uh, analysis writers, they they hire freelancers and they hire other reporters who don't have to bring in those giant audiences, but are there to produce quality work that rewards the trust of their readerships. And so in the, in the same way that the existing newspaper model doesn't really uh, pay for, like the only way it pays for those types of reporters at the moment is from having a successful property section or a successful sports section. It's not because those people actually pay their own way. Now, I guess just to just to close, can we come back to now? What should happen now? Because we've got a crisis right now in the media. If you're going to bail out things like airlines and energy companies, then you have to bail out the media as well. I don't think it should be a long-term or ongoing thing. I think it should be a short solution for whatever it takes to get these organizations over the hump into finding a radical new model or a radically different model that can actually set them up for a long-term sustainability. I, I, I think there's going to be short-term pain replaced by a much more vibrant and much more lucrative and much richer in every sense of the word media ecosystem where readerships are more satisfactorily served even if they are from small communities the internet has made so much possible and there's so much innovation to come with the subscription model so i'm excited to see what's going to come now that the rules are changing Hamish, did you, did you have have you guys had a had a baby in lockdown? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was going. How is that? <laughs> that seems like a hard work. Yeah, we were really we were really stressed about it because it felt it looked for a while like that baby was going to be born at a time when the hospitals were going to be overwhelmed in San Francisco. Well, one, the peak actually came later than our baby's birth, which was March 22, and two, San Francisco somehow has managed to avoid a lot of the problems seen in other parts of the company uh, other parts of the country but now um this is why i'm doing this call at 10 30 at night i've got a almost three-year-old and a three-week-old and we uh, can't leave the house too much and so it's a good challenge but it also is nice for having quality family bonding time i guess that's it you're trying to stay positive in a difficult time i guess it's just like the media yeah i mean we have we're so lucky compared to other people that was Hamish McKenzie, former New Zealand journalist who's now the founder of the subscription-based media service Substack in the US. And there he was talking to Media Watch's Hayden Donnell via Skype from San Francisco after the Emergency Response Committee's special session of Parliament, which was devoted to the media's problems last Wednesday. As we mentioned there, he's invited any New Zealand journalists who have lost their jobs or incomes during the COVID-19 crisis to get in touch. He's on Twitter at Hamish McKenzie, all one word, or you'll find details in the online version of this story on the Media Watch page of the RNZ website. Now at that committee session on Wednesday, the Broadcasting Minister Chris Farfoy said that the targeted assistance package for the media would be announced within a week. We'll be reporting on that when it happens here at Media Watch.